Hello, everyone, and welcome. My name is Jamie Adams. And I'm Ian McAllister, and this is Brainwaves episode 134, bringing you the best in tabletop gaming news. These are the headlines for the week of 11th of December, 2023. Never trust a wizard. Embrace your failure. And Dicebreaker Awards are announced. All this and more on this episode of Brainwaves. Now, a card in the recent Magic the Gathering release, Lost Caverns of Isalan, has attracted some controversy. The artist of the card, Wayfarer's Bobble, who is David Sondert, was accused of plagiarising the background from fellow Magic illustrator Lorenzo Lanfranconi. Lanfranconi posted the allegation on Twitter, tagging Wizards of the Coast, the publishers of Magic the Gathering. Someone also posted a GIF comparison of the two pieces on Imgur. It's hard to deny the similarities. Sondered responded to the allegations by issuing an apology on social media and saying this. In my process of painting, I collect references, especially for things I feel uncertain about, and sometimes I put those positioned on the canvas and paint over them. I sometimes use this as a way to make my illustration unique by overpainting and altering the reference until it isn't possible to see the original piece anymore. Occasionally I do this with poses, but I also use art from colleagues as references. In this case, I've unfortunately not done a good job of turning it into a uniquely mine painting. I could show how I painted over things, but in the end, it does not matter. The matter of the fact is that it looks too close to someone else's original piece of art. It is 100% on me, and I made a very bad call on this one. Most likely, as it is so long ago, I came to a point where I wasn't looking at the reference anymore, and was just trying to make sure all the colours and lighting matched. Sondered contacted Wizards and Lanfranconi. The latter has chosen to take no further action on the matter, and speculated that overwork may have been to blame for what they called a stupid mistake. Wizards of the Coast contacted Dicebreaker after they posted the story, saying this. We recently became aware of claims that David Saunders' artwork on the card Wayfarer's Bobble used art created by another artist without that artist's permission. Such misuse of art is expressly prohibited by our artist guidelines and does not reflect the values of Wizards of the Coast. As such, we will be suspending any future work with David Saunders until further notice. Now, Wizards came under fire earlier this year for including AI art in the Dungeons & Dragons sourcebook Bigby Presents Glory of the Giants. Now, it's good that this thing was caught, you know, and the fact that Lanfranconi has gone, it's fine, I'm not taking, well, it's not fine, I'm not taking any further steps on this. And so I've held his hands up and gone, my bad. Yep, he's gone, you know, he's gone mea culpa. Guy's gone, yep, okay, no, you made a mistake. I do wonder if it was caught because people are so sensitive to AI art right now and like this sort of thing is being meticulously looked at by people. People are n- not nervous, but people are aware of potential AI art a lot yeah. more. But this just wasn't AI art. This was someone just going, I took a reference, but it wasn't a reference anymore. I, I did it and... Yeah. Yeah. But is it springboarding maybe? Quite possibly. Yeah. Now, Asmodee may be the largest board game company in the world, but is owned by a much bigger fish. Now, that fish is Embracer Group, a Swedish-based investor who's been buying up properties at a substantial rate over the last couple of years. This has left them with a large portfolio of computer game companies, the Lord of the Rings license, and a large financial hangover. After missing out on $2 billion in investment from what was reportedly the Saudi Public Investment Fund last year, Embracer has been closing studios and firing staff in the hundreds in order to try and get out from under the financial burdens it finds itself in, in order to maximize shareholder value. Lars Wingefors, CEO of Embracer, announced on November the 16th that about 900 people had been laid off across the company's subsidiaries, and that's about 5% of the workforce. 
While doing so, he said, For me personally, it's crucial that the restructuring program is carried out with compassion, respect and integrity. Large companies with strong reputations have been affected by the layoffs, including Crystal Dynamics and Volition, the publisher behind the Saints Row reboot in 2022. Asmodee has not been immune to the restructuring, announcing on the 21st of November that changes had begun at the board game publisher. The announcement was made by CFO Muge Bullion on an earnings call. On that call, it was revealed that Asmodee's profitability over the last quarter was $39 million, up $10 million from last year. The PC and console side of the Embracer Group made a $120 million loss in the same period. Mujbillion said, I'm very happy with the performance of Asmodee. September itself is an important peak season period for us, and the implementation of restructuring program has started also at Asmodee. So the good performance is the combination of both the current trading, the operational performance, and the proper executing of the plan. So it was important for us. We don't take it lightly. So we are on track and we aim at delivering our fiscal year and run rate targets. A spokesperson from Asmodee contacted Board Game Wire after the story broke with this statement. Asmodee is actively supporting its parent company Embracer in achieving cost-saving targets. However, it's crucial to note that Asmodee's participation in the group's restructuring plan does not necessitate nor will it result in any disruptive changes. Our publishing and distribution activities remain unaffected. We want to emphasize that Asmodee continues to be a robust global leader in the board games industry, with a firm commitment to our employees, partners, and players. Now, the moment this was announced on social media, there was a lot of doomsayers going, oh, look, here, was, here we go. Asmodee's about to be you know, torn apart. Never. I'm doomsayers not, online. I know. I'm not sure many of them read past the headline. The, the fact that like Asmodee is the profitable part of Embracer makes me think that what might happen is some of the folk in Asmodee might be moved to other parts of Embracer to help the company. But I'm not sure Asmodee is on the block. What might happen is Asmodee gets sold for a profit, maybe to another possible. group that's it's, possible i guess if embracer is looking to make cash but i don't think it's about to be shut down M- maybe but it seems unlikely considering it's the profitable part of the company if i had to make a, a guess a bet a wager not that i would but if i if i had to i would probably go for the former with people maybe getting shunted around yeah. in embracer group mainly because it's what asthma day did to companies like for example fantasy flight games yep with fantasy flight games being you know people taken out of that and suddenly Fantasy Flight Games is no longer making the X-Wing Miniatures game. That's gone over to Atomic Mass Games. All the yeah, miniatures and, a lot of the, and a lot of the folk that made that game at Fantasy Flight are now with Atomic Mass Games. Yes. Corey Kinesco was given his own studio. You know, yeah, you're right. That, the, exactly the same sort and of thing edge, that would happen edge, to Edge Publishing going for all the role-playing aspects yeah. of Fantasy Flight Games. So That's we'll right. see. Now, while we've been away from the studio, tabletop site Dicebreaker have announced the finalists and then the winners of their tabletop awards. The nominees were announced on the 13th of November and a really nice selection of big games. And there was a lot of focus as well on up and coming games, which I think we definitely at Brainwaves really appreciated. Uh, On top of that, there is also a People's Choice Award. Very nice. Now, uh, I'll run through the games, the categories and winners very quickly. Uh, Best board game went to Sky Team, which is a cooperative game seeing players trying to land planes in a variety of escalating challenges, which is published by Scorpion Mask. The best role-playing game, Women Are Werewolves, published by Ninth Level Games. A game with card-based prompts examining the role of non-binary characters in a family that believe women transform into werewolves under a full moon. The best ongoing card game, and a little interesting note, 
All the nominees here were collectible card games, and it was won by Disney Lorcana, published by Ravensburger. Best Art was won by Sephiroth, a tarot-based game, helmed by Eli Baum and Viv Tanner. Designer of the Year went to David Thompson and Trevor Benjamin, the designers of the Undaunted series and General Order's World War II. Restoration Games, publisher known for reviving older titles with modern design sensibilities, picked up Publisher of the Year. The Rising Star Award, the designer, went to Cassie Mothwin, an RPG designer who has two games out called Clean Spirit and The Sticker Game. Dicebreaker says of Cassie, Championing deep and meaningful play experiences that veer from spooky to hilarious, Cassie always puts the experience of the player first, making her a talented designer you should be paying close attention to in the years to come. And the winner of the publisher side of the Rising Star Award went to Hot Banana Games, a publisher dedicated to Asian-themed games by Asian game designers. They're the publishers of games such as Steam Up, A Feast of Dim Sum. Now, the People's Choice Award went to Fabula Ultima RPG, a JRPG-style game. Congratulations to all the winners and all the nominees. I think, as I said there, fantastic. Lovely to see a mixture of names we know, names we don't, people who are up and coming. Sounds brilliant. But just before the awards were announced, the editor-in-chief of Dicebreaker, Matt Jarvis, posted to the site that ReadPop, who owns them, another gaming website, was looking to sell its digital business. That sale would also include Eurogamer and Rock Paper Shotgun, two large computer game-focused websites. ReadPop said in a statement, ReadPop, part of RX, has reviewed its UK business and decided to investigate the potential sale of its gamer network and associated editorial digital properties. We believe that new ownership offers the best conditions for the growth of the business. And that finished the piece by saying it was all the team knew for now, and for the moment, their output would be unaffected. I mean, putting the sale of Dicebreaker and, and uh, the gamer network associated stuff to the side for a second, um, I just wanted to build on that and go, Dicebreaker Awards, really nice cool interesting stuff yeah absolutely and it's a real shame that that announcement came just before the awards got announced to put a bit of a, a dampener on the proceedings a little bit and hopefully uh, if they do get sold they'll they'll land on their feet but there's a lot of like i mean we know a lot of good people have been like fired or moved on from like digital writing jobs recently uh and yeah it's just a bit of a rough time in the industry for people doing that kind of thing hopefully that won't happen because yeah dicebreaker's a decent site yeah, absolutely. Moving on to some updates. Yes, and we've got quite a lot of updates for you this time around because we took a bit of a month break in between casts. We promise, we promise that we do. We said that we up, we'll update you, and we do. Indeed. So, but first of all, back in episode 130, we reported on the announcement from Scottish publisher DigiSprite Games that they were pulling a DLC or downloadable content from virtual board game platform Tabletop Simulator. This was due to non-payment of royalties from the publisher of that platform, Berserk Games. Way back in episode 86, we'd also reported on the non-payment of royalties to the publisher of Three Kingdoms Redux from Berserk Games. One of the people behind that announcement, Ken Ling Yao, posted the issues on BoardGameGeek in a thread entitled Seeking Help Regarding Berserk Games. That thread had originally been resolved, but Ken reopened it on August 10th, 2023, detailing further issues the publisher was having with Berserk Games. On October the 25th of 2023, Ken posted an update saying this. In Berserk Games' usual cryptic style, we suddenly received a PayPal transfer from Berserk Games yesterday. There was no accompanying email or other forms of communication. The amount was wrong. See similar past experience above. It was slightly more than the amount we invoiced them. 
It was labelled as royalties for Q2 2022, Q3 2022, Q4 2022 and Q1 2023 in PayPal. There was no mention about the missing Q1 2022 sales report. There was also no mention about the now due Q2 2023 sales report. Now, back in episode 130, we had reached out to Berserk Games for comment, but never heard anything back from them. We haven't reached out again on this one because honestly, I don't think we'll hear back from them anyway. All I'd say is like, if you're going to publish on Tabletop Simulator, be extremely careful with these people because they seem to be quite dodgy in terms of payment. Some people get paid, some don't. But yeah, if you're if you're going to rely on it as a source of income, I wouldn't. Buyer beware and be very careful. Jimmy, some more uh, positive updates. Yes. Now, also back in episode 130, we told you about an initiative from Hasbro, the owners of Wizards of the Coast, who published Dungeons and Dragons. The initiative was designed to find the next women-led mass market toy or game. The winners would get $10,000, a mentorship session with one of Hasbro's top women leaders, and a visit to Hasbro HQ. And the winners are Ellie Dix, owner of The Dark Imp, Sandra Harewood, the brilliant mind behind a captivating family word game and serving as a Women in Games ambassador in the UK, and Mandy and Maggie Goddard, a dynamic duo and co-inventors of an exciting preschool game. This is really nice to see from a big company like Hasbro. Uh, Congratulations to all four winners. Um, Ian, I think you've been interviewed ellie dix previously i have indeed uh reviewed one of her games as well she's quite prolific that does a lot of um sort of more family oriented games and has had some i think had a couple of games published in gibson's maybe and places like that as well okay. so yeah yeah a designer on the rise certainly and yeah uh, none, none of the games are mentioned in hasbro's announcement because uh, they say like basically nothing details haven't been confirmed so like the trade dress etc for these things has not been confirmed so but they'll be coming out over the next couple of years i'd imagine and uh, yeah we'll be looking forward to them well, fantastic. This better not be a one-off. This better be a continual initiative yeah. that is going. And let's just not... Agreed. Okay, to it, let's put it against lots of different types of designers that aren't just old white men. Now, admittedly, there are young white men who are also designing. Fine. But most game designers... Fair. You want to, if you want to argue about it, you know where to find me. Oh, his address will be in the show notes. Now, back in episode 131, we reported on the efforts of employees at New York City board game cafe Hex and Company to unionize. The company had refused to acknowledge the union voluntarily and had been accused of union-busting efforts. Reported on Board Game Wire, the employees successfully unionized on the night of 14th of November in a landslide vote, 50 votes to 16. The effort has led to staff in Uncommons and the Brooklyn Strategist to other board game venues in the city to demand union recognition. Employee Joseph Vial-Hogg, who is part of the union organization efforts, said, Winning our union means I don't have to listen to management trying to convince me I shouldn't have rights anymore. It means that the false rumors they have spread about me and the organizing committee can stop, and it means my co-workers and I will finally be treated with the respect we deserve in the workplace. Damn right. Absolutely. Join a union. I completely agree. There's a lot of efforts made, I mean, especially in America, but I think it's very prevalent over here as well for some union-busting strategies. Do not listen to them. They need you more than you need them. Absolutely. Also, also from episode 131, we reported on the collapse of publisher Board Game Hub. They were a UK publisher who had come to the community's attention with their game Tranquility. The sequel, Tranquility The Ascent, had funded on Kickstarter. 
earlier in the year, they announced that they would no longer be able to fulfill the game and that the company was filing for bankruptcy. But now it looks like Tranquility The Ascent will instead be picked up by publisher Lucky Duck Games. In an announcement on Kickstarter for the game, Board Game Hub made the announcement alongside some changes to the final product. We'll link that in our show notes, of course. Now, I know that he's not here to um, talk about it, but we know that Oliver backed this campaign. And glad to see the game's actually going to get to backers. And your regularly scheduled reminder that Kickstarter is not a store no matter what companies do. Yeah. How do we look at the Kickstarter update? The changes were fairly minor. It was thing, it was mostly things like extras that obviously Lucky Duck Game have not like taken on in order to produce. It's basically just the core game experience. I think there's like a, a mini expansion will be produced as well and that will go to backers. But like not like playmats and things like that, which is, seems kind of reasonable for another publisher picking up. They're like, well, we don't want to commit to those things. But yeah, it's great to see the game being produced. And like, as Jamie said, your regular reminder that any crowdfunding, not just Kickstarter, but any oh, yeah. crowdfunding... It's not a store. And now on to more news. We are sad to share the news that Colin Dixon passed away last month. Colin was a well-known miniature painter and sculptor whose career included working for Games Workshop as their first ever full-time miniature painter and later sculpting miniatures for them as well as Marauder miniatures, which were still a separate company at the time. He also worked for Wargames Foundry and Citadel Miniatures. Colm was also a talented illustrator and sketch artist, painting the iconic cover art for the second edition of Blood Bowl, among many others. Colm leaves behind a huge legacy and many sad fans. The whole Brainwaves team sends their sincerest condolences to Colm's family and friends at this difficult time. Absolutely. The next story, the information comes from Eric Martin, who posts news to the website BoardGameGeek on a regular basis, and came across our mat thanks to Richard from We're Not Wizards. Thank you so much, Richard. Thank you so much, Eric. In early 2022, University Games, a publisher of mainstream toys, games and puzzles, became interested in acquiring the assets of Forbidden Games, a more hobby-focused publisher. Forbidden Games and its then CEO slash president Glenn Drover are being sued by University Games for breach of contract, breach of fiduciary duty and fraud. Forbidden Games are countersuing for fraud, breach of contract and wrongful termination. Now this is from the University Games lawsuit filed on October the 30th of this year. About a year later, Glenn Drover resigned from UGC. Both before and after his resignation, Forbidden Games and Glenn Drover breached their contractual obligations and Drover breached his fiduciary duties of loyalty and good faith and committed fraud. Defendants' breaches of their contractual and fiduciary obligations included, among other things, failing to transfer the assets and intellectual property as required by the contract, failing to transfer monetary proceeds to UGC's account, refusing to work with UGC under the terms the parties had negotiated, holding UGC's game development hostage until Drover's increasing monetary demands were met, chronically violating university games procedures and policies, interfering with development and launch of UGC games, refusing to return company property after Drover's resignation, and claiming that the intellectual property Drover and Forbidden Games had transferred to UGC actually belonged to Drover. Got it? Good. Summarizing that, not doing anything that had been agreed upon. Now this is from the Forbidden Games lawsuit filed on October the 31st. Prior to the asset sale, Forbidden Games board games like Mosaic and Raccoon Tycoon had earned industry and consumer accolades and awards, as well as early promising sales figures. 
However, University Games fraudulently had no intention of permitting plaintiffs to earn the additional $1 million in deferred payments or otherwise to promote the acquired Forbidden Games board games. Instead, University Games and its principal, Robert Moog, set about to breach their promises by 1. promoting existing University Games over the Forbidden Games, 2. refusing to attend and or feature Forbidden Games at major trade shows in the board game industry, 3. slashing the Forbidden Games marketing budget, 4. making a hostile work environment for Mr. Drover and the colleagues he brought over to University Games so they could not effectively promote the Forbidden Games board games in the market, and eventually would have to leave the intolerable working conditions at University Games, and five, otherwise taking unreasonable commercial action and doing everything else they could to impede the performance of the sales of the acquired forbidden games assets and board games. Whew. So, to summarize that, not giving forbidden games titles fair promotion and being hostile to the staff that had come over to university games. There's not really much more to be said about that for now. Um, this is giving you the situation as it is going on. It Sounds like a huge mess. Big mess. Big mess. We'll let you know if there's any updates. Indeed. If, if you followed it, pat yourself on the back, get yourself a cup of tea or coffee, whatever is your poison, and a biscuit. I feel like I need to lie down after those ones. Oh yeah, don't lie down yet, Ian, though. There's more stuff to do. That's true. We've talked many times about how gaming has been moving into the mainstream over the last few years, becoming part of the wider cultural landscape instead of being a more niche concern. Well, if you need any more evidence for that fact, you can look to the US Postal Service, who have just announced a series of Dungeons & Dragons stamps to be released in 2024. The stamps are being put out to coincide with the 50th anniversary of Dungeons & Dragons and highlight characters and creatures from the game. And that in, that's art that is from all over its 50 years. Yeah. Some of it's from its very first, like, Red Box. No, it wasn't Red Box. It was, was it Red Box first one? No, it wasn't the Red Box. It was the first one. But... It's got red um, box art. The history of Dungeons and Dragons is a complicated one. <laughs> it is. Uh, but there's, there's, for example, the red box art with the red dragon and the warrior with the horned yeah. helm going, ah. Uh, there is from the fifth edition uh, Dungeon Master's Guide of a Lich going, yeah. Um, this is fantastic uh, this is radio. super great radio. But Jamie's making the faces and the hands and everything. It's not it's radio, fine. but it's, uh, but anyway, it's yeah. Close. It's, it's close. Um, I would, uh, gaming has been, I think, mainstream for a very long time, just in a very different way. I, it, yeah. It's become it's become more. I don't know. When you see those things being celebrated in a wider cultural context, it's really yes. interesting. I think. Yes, I, I don't know. I do, maybe this isn't the place for it, but I just find the phrase um, "moving into the mainstream" a bit weird because it's like it's been like that for quite a while. Yeah, like you wouldn't have had films and stuff like that if it wasn't. I'd argue. Like a Dungeons and Dragons nice. film with Jeremy Irons. By the way, I made Ian watch the Dungeons and Dragons 2023 film recently. He really enjoyed it. It was great. Yeah, it's real good. It was super. Anyway, another little story before we move on to jobs, opportunities, events. Now, Games Workshop, the model makers of Warhammer and its many iterations, have announced that due to the 9% rise in sales this financial quarter, staff would be sharing a £7.5 million bonus pool, equating to about £2,500 per person. So that is uh, support staff, um, designers, shop workers, model makers, the whole shebang. It's about a grand more than last year's four and a half million pound pot. So, you know, they are doing very well. Yep. That's where your money's going if you're spending, for example, 30 pounds on three Orc War Bikers. I mean, it's something goes to shareholders for sure, but it's nice to see Games Workshop give back to the staff as well. Absolutely. I mean, that money's going to go back into Games Workshop. So it's a cycle. 
Indeed. Wait a minute, two and a half, wait a minute, let me just quickly check. Uh, let me just tap on my imaginary calculator here. Two and a half thousand pounds, that'll get you... One uh, more ammo No, one space marine, although not a full space marine. Like, no helmet? Uh, depends. You can choose which bits you don't get. Um, anyway, moving on to jobs, opportunities, and events. Yes, indeed. Are you a fan of mental challenges, games, or strategic reality competitions? Yes. Do you have the brain power and social skills to build alliances and maybe even manipulate your fellow players in order to succeed? No. Those are the questions that Remarkable Television is asking the potential contestants for their upcoming reality TV show, The Genius Game UK, which will air on ITV. The Genius Game is following the trend of South Korean reality game shows that make their way over to the UK. It's going to pit 13 contestants against each other as they compete in various challenges that test strategic thinking and social skills, and contestants will be eliminated in head-to-head matches until only one remains who will be awarded the title of The Genius and a cash prize. And if it reminds you of another South Korean TV show, that's because it's the same format as another South Korean TV show. Anyway, the closing dates for applications is midnight on the 4th of January 2024, so be quick if you want to be in for a chance to represent the board game hobby on national TV, because a lot of the challenges, as I understand it, I haven't seen the original show, are quite based on sort of board game ideas and, and mechanisms. So you said, does it remind you of another South Korean TV show? Uh, yes, because that's most reality shows in that people will be tested, people will be knocked out, and some will win usually a cash prize. Indeed. But I know but I know that the reference is going for Squid Game. Yeah. But nobody's going to die. I saw the first well, series of The Genius. My friend linked it to me on, I think, YouTube quite a few years ago. It was really good. Kind of a little very quick breakdown that it's kind of, you know, some of those logic logic puzzles or team kind of games but sometimes between turns there is maybe half an hour an hour between them so alliances form and break and the magic of editing can show you oh i did this but actually this is what i did two hours ago and there's another game and one game that was basically dixit but it wasn't called dixit which knocked somebody out so it, it i would recommend the genius i think there's a couple of uh different variations of one there's a dutch one as well Anyway, we'd just also like to remind you about the Tabletop Jobs group on Facebook. It's a pretty good place to find jobs across the world. There's been quite a few UK positions recently, so do check it out wherever you are. You might find your next career there. And we'll take a little moment now to give a little shout out to our patrons, including uh, Kevin Bertram from Fort Circle Games, James Naylor from Naylor Games, and Sean Newman from the Gamelot team, our executive producers. Thank you so much for continuing to support us at that level thank you so much to everyone who supported us across the year financially or just by sharing the cast socially as well this is going to be our last cast of the year so we really really appreciate all your financial support and just being part of our community the discord has been growing over the last year or so which you are welcome along to we'll put a link to in the show notes you can join our patron of course Uh, there's various ways to support us on the site as well. well put links to all that in the show notes but just know that we really appreciate anyone who helps us out in any way at all even if it's just sharing the cast around Thank you so much, everybody. We do this because we like talking. <laughs> sort of, basically. So yeah, it's amazing. Thank you so I'm much. talking about talking. Talk some more, Jimmy. Okay, I shall talk some more. Now, this is the last episode of the year, so I thought I'd leave you with a Monopoly gift idea for, those, for all those fans of New Jersey-based music in your life. No, not Bruce Springsteen or... Paul Simon or My Chemical Romance. Is it is it on a steel horse you ride, Jimmy? I don't know the song reference, but if it is a Bon Jovi song reference, then yes. 
It's 80s rockers Bon Jovi. Now, travel around the board collecting famous Bon Jovi gigs throughout the career, with the most prestigious being the 2018 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction in Cleveland, Ohio. Now, the collectible tokens you can use include Bon Jovi's famous acoustic guitar, the band's heart and dagger logo, and the state of New Jersey, if you want to play as the state of New Jersey. Now, the box boasts it contains custom-designed heart and dagger money, custom Bon Jovi railroads and utilities, and It's My Life and Living on a Prayer, uh, replacing the Chance and Community Chest cards. If you'd like to know what those unique railroads are, uh, and utilities. Utilities are all access pass and guest pass. And the railroads are tour van, tour bus, private jet, and a helicopter. Yeah. <laughs> but, but maybe Bon Jovi in your bag. You know, I, I completely get that. Maybe you're more of a fan of uh, fiscal responsibility and London based banking firms. Woo! See, Ian is definitely, I know this is up Ian Street. National Westminster Bank, more commonly known as NatWest, has produced a board game that is playable at several of their branches called All Mod Cons to highlight the proliferation of scams at this time of year. It's part of a campaign that aims to encourage families and friends to have open discussions around scams this festive season. It was created. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Created by a team of game developers in partnership with the bank's fraud team. At time of recording, I could not find who the game designers were. But it goes on. All Mod Cons is a game for four to six people, where players make their way around the board with the aim of holding on to their money while avoiding the scams they encounter along the way. The game draws on NatWest data and aims to encourage family discussions and equip players with crucial information on how to detect, avoid, and report different kinds of scams in real life. And I'm very quickly going to go over the branches where you can play all mod cons if you so choose. So, NatWest branches are Angel, Islington, Brighton, Churchill Square, Bristol, Milton Keynes, Cambridge, Preston, Newcastle-upon-Tyne, Sheffield City Centre, Basildon, and Stratford City, Westfield. The Royal Bank of Scotland branches are Glasgow City and Livingston, and Ulster, Northern Ireland, Belfast City. You'll be going out into Glasgow tomorrow, Jamie, down to the NatWest Bank, the Royal Bank Scotland, and giving us a report on how that game plays, right? Brian, stop me. Only, only thing that's going to stop me is weather and impetus. And... You can r- ride on your steel horse down there. Yes. The temptation to do all those in a pseudo Matt Berry voice or like a football results was strong, I'm not going to lie. But uh, as a gift to you, the listener, if you are listening, if Ian hasn't cut this out, I'm not going to do that because you don't want to listen to my awful Matt Berry impression or football results impression. And um, yeah. Indeed. Anyway, folks, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening over the course of the year as we brought you tabletop news from across the world. We'll be continuing to do that through 2024. And if you like what you've listened to, then the best ways ever to help us out is just to share the podcast and drop us a review and rating on your podcast host of choice. But iTunes is especially helpful. Also, Spotify is very helpful as well. If you listen on there, a good review on there really helps us. You can also follow Oliver, who couldn't be with us for the last show of the year, unfortunately, at tabletopgamesblog.com to give his work a check out and a little like and share. Uh, you can come and join our Discord, put an invite to that in the show notes. Uh, we're no longer really active on Twitter. My account's still there, but I'm about to delete it. You can find us on Blue Sky, our, uh, Instagram and Facebook. We'll put links to all those in the show notes. Our core website is thegiantbrain.co.uk, where you can find everything about the show. 
about what we write about, um, all our socials, and all the ways to support us. And if you'd like to email us about anything in the show or anything you'd like us to cover next year or any stories at all, just giantbrainuk at gmail.com. And I'd like to say very quickly before we go, I'd like to say a shout out to uh, a patron and friend of mine who's a listener and a member of our Discord, Campbell, who's currently in the hospital. I hope you get well really soon, Campbell. We are all thinking of you, man. Absolutely. Get well soon, Campbell. Thanks very much, folks, and we'll see you in 2024. All the best for the festive season. Have an amazing time, everyone. Take care.